Word. The Martin guitar again. Welcome back to episode nine of the Honeycut scenario, which I'm calling this right now, which is just, once again, me having a cup of coffee with a, a mythical friend, which would be you, um, connecting with some of my friends to talk about things I would typically talk about uh, over a cup of coffee, which is a variety of topics. Um, and today I'm going to kind of uh, focus in on a theme that I like to focus in on, and that's talking about water. And, uh, you know, I get up and I swim every day with the master's swim class, uh, which is like adult swim team. And, uh, I'm in the water super early in the morning, which is kind of new for me. So I'm, I'm on Mondays, I'm up in the water by five 30 and I was like, you know, getting up that early, it's still night and it's like dreamlike, you know, driving in in the dark and, and then going and taking that first dip in the pool. And it's like, totally dreamlike, right? You get in the water, but it's cold. And it's like, kind of like being back in the womb, like a little baby. And then it's like, you got to start pumping, you know, working, right? Working, swimming and sweating and breathing and all that stuff. And I was thinking about like, yeah, it's like a, being an aggressive baby, like an aggressive baby, like a womb-like state, but you're like aggressive and like swimming. Um, and I love it. 90 minutes of uh, huffing pain, swimming in the morning. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's like, once again, like just talking about the waters and that's like my humorous way of like looking at waking up crack at dawn to go swimming. Um, but, uh, you know, the waters like are, you know, we can't live without water for more than two days. And we, you know, we take water for granted except for when we don't have any or we have too much, right? Like a hurricane. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I look at waters. I like to look at maps a lot. Uh, my wife, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, you always hoot and holler a little bit when you like cross over a bridge over a river. And it's true. I always like to celebrate the bodies of water that I'm on because I'm just fascinated with them. And, uh, you know, looking at maps, you can kind of look at the patterns of the way water flows and the way that like bays look like like lungs from, you know, a map point of view and like their filtration systems. And it's like it's the flow of life in the world, right? You can just see how, like you just see the flow of life by looking at the flow of rivers, like following the path of the Mississippi and, you know, and, and whether or not you're like obsessed with water like I am, like we all love clear waters, right? You like a clear pool, you like a clear stream, you like a clear lake. I mean, it's just something about it that says like, hey, well, that's life right there. I mean, that's like the shit if it's clear, right? Um, and, uh, I was, uh, reading Michael Pollan's book about, uh, God, the, the latest one where he talked about psychedelics and opium and stuff like that. And he was in talking about peyote or mescaline. And I guess one of the people that he was talking with, uh, had done a vision quest and some, some, uh, mescaline work in Big Sur. And I, I love Big Sur, uh, on California. It's a place that it means a lot to me. I, I visit there when I'm going through great change, uh, I got engaged to Trisha there in 2013, uh, and I just love that the way the mountains touch the sea and the Pacific, like the the blue that happens, and it's just been a, a big part of of my life during certain transitions. And so this, you know, hearing about like oh, there's a sort of a vision quest that happened in the Santa Lucia Range uh, on Big Sur, right? So there's Big Sur and there's the mountains, and the mountains are a whole full coastal mountain range that goes up and down the coast of California, and they're you know, as big as the Appalachian Mountains in terms of height. Um, 
And so I was just kind of doing a little bit of a, like a map search and just kind of looking. And I was looking at like, well, what kind of trout streams do they have there? And I found the Arroyo Seco River. So I did a little Googling on that. And I think there's a, there's one down near, uh, closer to Los Angeles in the South that I read a little bit about. And it um, brought up the idea of steelhead trout. And I was like, oh yeah, steelhead trout. So the thing is with like West Coast rivers uh, here in America, you know, the mountains touch the sea. So these rivers, these mountain streams come right down. The Arroyo Seco comes down out of the Santa Lucia and it goes into the Salinas River and it goes out into the Pacific Ocean right there. And, you know, the Arroyo Seco there is only like 40 miles long. And it's one of the few rivers that still has steelhead trout that come up. Uh, and a steelhead trout is essentially a rainbow trout that has decided that it's going to go out into the ocean and get really big and then come back up in the stream and spawn kind of like a salmon. Um, but if the steelhead trout decides to stay in the fresh water, it'll remain a rainbow trout. And, you know, looking at, you know, these river systems that go right into the ocean. So there's a very small transition period and seeing these steelhead trout, like looking on uh, the kind of threatened species list down in Southern California, they're an endangered species because those rivers, you know, the water has been choked up and used uh, by, you know, the population growth in Southern California. And I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, okay, wow. You know, the steelhead trout, you probably don't think much about them. I mean, but they're a threatened species up and down the coast in various stages because of human intervention in the river systems changing the way that those fish can get up and down right and that's agricultural that's urban that's like all kinds of stuff and you know once again the waters we're a successful species so we've used the waters very well uh, but there's like a there's an impact there and you know just hearing about the wildfires out in california you know there's a, a serious water issue out there and it's interesting to kind of look at something like the Arroyo Seco and, and see that just with the steelhead trout and the way humans have touched on these, these you know, fragile river systems up and down is actually, you know, there's a larger impact that happens over time as, you know, we grow as a species and get more successful. And then you take a, a, a leap to the East Coast where I'm from originally, and I grew up near the Chesapeake Bay. I grew up in the headwaters of the South River. Um, or at least, you know, the kind of the sort of the headwaters. I'm sure they're up a little bit further than we were in Crofton. Um, but when you look at the Chesapeake Bay from a map point of view and you see all those like the rivers and the, and the estuary look, it, it looks like a lung. You can tell it has a real power in life and filtration and growth. And it's the largest estuary in the United States. And, you know, when you look at the, the Blue Ridge Mountains that are to the west— and the way they filter down into the bay, um, it's just a lot more gradual. You know, you have these mountains that give way to the long Piedmont and then to the coastal prairie. And then that leads into river systems into the ocean or into the bay, which then eventually leads into the ocean. And there's this huge transition period or a transition space where there's just a ton of really unique life. And one of the interesting things about the Chesapeake Bay is when you look at um, – like the Susquehanna River, which I think is the 16th largest or the longest in America, but it's one of the oldest rivers in the world. It's in the top five of age of rivers in the world. And you look at uh, the new river in uh, Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, I do believe, um, 
one of the, I think is even older, and the French Broad River is old as well. So looking at these really ancient river systems in the eastern part of America and watching how they wind around and then give way to something like the Chesapeake Bay, I mean, the, the New River and the French Broad don't necessarily empty into the bay, um, but the Susquehanna certainly does, and it's like these this magical place of transition, which is very different on the West Coast. And, you know, it's interesting because growing up in the Bay, we had a big rockfish moratorium in the 80s because, you know, they were overfished. And once the rockfish started to come back because of the moratorium, the rockfish ate a lot of the softshell crab. So, you know, there's all this this impact and management that humans have, this dance that we got going on with the waters. Um, but it's just something that I was really like— uh, fascinated with because it's like one little thing led to another little thing and you start to read about the Arroyo Seco in the Santa Lucha range versus the Arroyo Seco down south that you know river's in a very different spot down south in California um so just kind of little like things that I'm discovering along the way uh looking at waters to kind of think about like how we impact Mm -hmm. and then how it impacts us and just like learning that that ability to be fascinated and to honor the waters because I like to get in them and swim before dawn. Uh, so that's pretty much my thoughts on a Tuesday. Uh, maybe it's informative, maybe it's not. Uh, but I hope you guys have a really, really, really good day. Woo! Water, 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 water.